Hey, welcome to another exciting podcast from Freedom House Church. My name is Troy Maxwell. I'm the senior pastor of our church. We are one church that meets in multiple locations, which means we have different communicators at all of our different locations. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from one of our teaching teams. I know that it will bless you. You will walk away changed. So enjoy this message. Well, come on, Freedom House. How are you guys feeling right now? Come on, somebody. Hey, it is great to be here with you. My name is Colby Maxwell. I'm the director of student ministries here at Freedom House Church. And I really am so honored, so proud, and so glad to be here uh, for a couple of reasons. One, because I believe it is an incredible honor to be able to communicate as one of our teaching team here. If you're not aware, maybe it's your first time here today, or maybe uh, you, you, it has, it's been a while since you come to Freedom House. We do an incredible thing here that I think is very unique in a world that is so digitized. We have at every single one of our campuses all across the city, we have live communicators sharing a word from God that's been placed on their hearts. So right now, I think it's kind of cool to think about, right now, at this very second, we can think about at South End and at Lake Norman, someone is getting onto a platform just like this, and all across the city, the word of God is being proclaimed right now, and we are just one house, or one room and a house that's being preached the gospel across the city. Pretty cool, right? pretty incredible that we get to be a part of that and it's easy to forget sometimes as we're sitting here in this room right now that man right across the city this is happening right this very second and secondly I'm proud to be able to communicate to you guys today because this is my very first time at Central Campus come on right I have preached at South End I've preached at Lake Norman uh, but for some reason they have kept me away from Central Campus I don't know what the issue was. I don't know what I did wrong. I, I'm not sure what the problem was, but they have kept me far from here. Um, but I have finally, I, I know the pastors pretty well, and I've finally convinced them to, and they're my parents if you didn't know, <laughs> to allow me to, I'm just joking. Uh, but I, I was here actually a couple weeks ago for our student uh, takeover tour, which was incredible. And they were like, all right, fine. I guess he did 15 minutes. We'll give him a full uh, hour and a half today. I'm just joking. <laughs> Y'all got nervous, took a deep breath. Just 35, just 35. And I'll go short, I promise, today. And so I figured that before I even get started today uh, on, on Central Campus, which is, like I said, my very first time, there's something that I've realized that I think is important for us all to know. I think it's interesting how you know how good a message is going to be before the person ever communicates. Like, like you guys know, because I've sat in thousands of sermons my entire life. I think there's a couple tells, three tells to know if a preacher is going to tell a really good sermon. And you guys will know exactly what I'm talking about. The first one is how they say the word God, right? Like some good time they say, God said, not a good sermon coming up, right? They say, God. And you're like, oh, this is going to be real good. <laughs> right? The second one, which I think is just incredible for me to see, is when someone is bold enough to walk up here with just a Bible in their hand. Yeah. Right? They have no notes. I mean, I'm like, dude, what, do you memorize the thing? Like, like, what in the world? You're walking up here with just a Bible. That's bold. Right? That's real bold. That's real bold. The third one is when they bring, and this is probably the biggest tell of them all, you know it's going to be like the most fire sermon you've ever heard when someone brings up their own sweat rag. <laughs> and so today, I don't know how this sermon's going to be. I don't know what's going to happen today. 
I don't know what the words are gonna be. Come on. It's gonna be a good one today, y'all. I'm just kidding, I got allergies, y'all, come on. Real talk. <laughs> That's for my nose. <laughs> oh, goodness. We're talking about crop circles today. <laughs> We're talking about crop circles. We've been in this series for the past couple of months. And, uh, you know, summer series are always fun uh, because, man, there's like so many ways you can come at different things. I mean, we've been in this series for three months now. And really, if you don't know, uh, the series crop circles that we've been in, uh, it's all about, uh, if you could put it into one phrase, Miracles in motion. That's been the entire series is what we've been talking about for the past couple of months. And so today, as we are moving forward with this, this is kind of the, the topic for the past couple of months. Is it's all about the miracles that we have in motion for our life. The, the way it relates to crop circles is back in, you know, however long ago before they had video cameras, that sort of stuff, they would go out into their fields in the morning and there would be these huge circles that were imprinted and pressed into the grass and they ultimately didn't know how what they saw with their eyes had arrived there. And in the same way, so many of our miracles look the exact same. We go out and we see the results of it, but we ultimately don't know how it got there in the first place. And so today, as we move forward with our topic, with our lesson, with our sermon, with our message, let's keep that in mind as we move forward that, man, a miracle is in motion. And so today, I want to move forward with that and define Maybe so we can get on the same terms what a miracle is for me as we move forward so we can understand each other a little bit better because I believe, I believe this is a conversation this morning. This is the definition of a miracle that I'm going to be preaching on today. A highly improbable or extraordinary event, development, or accomplishment that brings very welcome consequences. This is about as basic as I think an understanding we can have, right? This is what a miracle, I mean, plain and simple, this is what a miracle is, right? We, we can, man, that is crazy, but I'm sure glad it happened, right? That's the best way I can say it. That's what a miracle is for me. And I don't know about you guys, um, but I love to look at things differently. Like, I don't, it's just part of who I am, right? I, I love to try to view things from a side angle, I love to try to look at things from, like, maybe top down or bottom up. Whatever someone says how they understand something, I want to try to understand it differently. That's just part of my personality. Um, you know, I'm an Enneagram type 5. Uh, it's just part of what I like to do. Anyone have a friend that blames their, like, moral failings on their personality type, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like, why'd you punch me? Well, I'm an eight-wing, seven Sagittarius with a side of branch. It's like, What? What are you talking about? You just hit me. Right? I, I like to look at things differently. It's somewhere inside of my heart. I like to just understand things differently. And because of that, naturally, it makes me kind of weird, right? I mean, weird people in the house today. Let's be honest, right? Come on. We're all a little weird. Just ask your wife. And so today, with that in mind, I want to look at maybe miracles from a different perspective. I want to look at miracles from maybe a side angle or a top down or a bottom up. I don't really know. But these are some of my thoughts on miracles today. 
This is an open conversation that I'm having with myself in my mind right now. And this is what I have been pondering about and thinking about in regards to miracles. And I would love to let you guys in on this conversation. Because I, I really do believe that it's important for us in our day today. You know, I, I grew up thinking a lot about miracles. I grew up, like I said before, in this church, I think 17 years now, this September, which is crazy. Like, I, I've been at this church my entire life. And as a result of that, I've been contemplating miracles my entire life. Like, I, I, you just hear about it at home. You hear about it at Sunday. And I remember this one particular season of my life. I was probably 12 years old. It was getting around October, and there was this particular holiday in October that many of us know. It's a very popular holiday for Christians, the Harvest Festival. Come on, somebody. Come on. If you're a Christian here, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're normal, and it's called Halloween. But obviously, I grew up very Christian, and Halloween is most obviously the devil's birthday. So we did not celebrate it. It was not part of our household. We didn't talk about Halloween. It was the Harvest Festival. And we had harvest parties. And we had costume harvest festivals. It was a great time. We had apple cider. It was incredible. It was great. We didn't trick or treat. We trunk or treated, right? Come on, somebody. It's okay if it's out of a trunk. And I remember what my parents would do is, you know, like we weren't allowed to go trick-or-treating because that's where the demons lived. And so we were in my house and we would walk around and like people would ring the doorbell and my, my parents would like buy the big bowls of candy. And it was my job to like hand out candy, right? We had the candy bowl. We were, we were just doing our job. People would ring the doorbell. They would show how much fun we were having. I'd hand them my candy that I wanted. They would leave. They'd be happy. I'd be sad. And that was my life. October. That was October for me. And I remember I would just spend that, that day handing out candy, you know, doorbell ringing, off the chain, people coming, all that sort of stuff. Like I said, 12, 13 years old. And I remember, I remember that night, I was like laying in my bed, and for some reason, maybe this is just a memory that I have, maybe it's real, maybe it's not. You know those memories you have, you can't tell if they're real or not, but you look back on them, you're like, it probably was real. And I remember just sitting in my bed at night, and I was like, man, you know, all this talk about, like, I'm going to pray for some candy right now, y'all. <laughs> and so, because all my friends got candy, everyone, they took my candy from me. And so I sat there with this empty bowl. And I was like, God, I'm going to go to bed right now. I serve you, God. I'm not out there right now. I'm inside. <laughs> I pray right now with faith. Come on. That when I wake up in the morning, Shaka, I'm going to wake up in the morning and this bowl will, in the name of Jesus, be filled with candy. Prayed it, laid my head down, man, and I was excited because I didn't get any candy on a harvest festival. I didn't get any candy. And so I was like, man, this is my shot. This is, this is your time to shine. God, come on. Woke up in the morning, looked down at this bowl, and would you believe it, there was no candy. <laughs> there was no candy to be seen. Sad Colby, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
And, you know, that's like, it's, it's kind of a funny thing. I grew up thinking about these miracles, and, you know, I tried to enact them in my day-to-day life. And, and little Colby praying for more candy in his bowl is kind of a funny idea to think of, right? It's kind of a funny thing to think about. Man, he just wanted more candy in his bowl. He just wanted, you know, what he wanted at that moment. And I found myself a couple weeks ago. I, uh, let's just say I was tied on catch, right? Went and got the mail, and I opened up the mailbox, and man, I looked in there for a check, even though I wasn't expecting one, right? Closed the mailbox. I said, God, this is your time to shine. I mean, I'm a preacher. I work for you. I serve you with all that I can, God. Opened up the mailbox, peeked inside, and once again, it was empty. And I wonder if our understanding of miracles has not matured as we've grown as Christians. I wonder if Candy Bowl Colby has just brought his bad habits of believing in miracles in that capacity forward into my faith now. And in the same way that I woke up praying for what I felt like I needed right then, praying for more candy, I wonder what the candy is for myself today and maybe for you. I wonder maybe what we wake up in the mornings opening our mailbox looking for, things that we really want right now, God. When really we are living ultimately, and I'm guilty of this myself like I just told you, living, maybe not maturing in our faith as God has called us to. Living as candy bowl Christians looking to God to satisfy our cravings. Is it hot in here? Just me. Okay. And so today, may I present the idea that maybe it's time to look at miracles differently. Maybe it's time to look at miracles differently. Maybe it's time to look at miracles differently. I'm going to say it this way. This is how I think. On any given night, we can walk out, and if you're in a spot that doesn't have too much uh, light around you, you can look up into the sky, and you can see the Andromeda Galaxy. This is how it's spelled right here. It's called the Andromeda Galaxy. The Andromeda Galaxy is the furthest object that we can see with our naked human eyes. We can walk out on a, on a pretty dark night, and with our own human eyes, without any binoculars, without any telescopes, we can see the Andromeda galaxy with our naked eye. This is the furthest possible thing that our eyes can pick up here on Earth on a normal night. Look, y'all, the Androm- this is a galaxy. This is a massive structure in space. The Andromeda galaxy is 2.537 million light years away. And we can walk out on any given Sunday night, look up into the sky, and look out at an object that exists 2.537 million light years away with our naked eye. And it isn't in there. It takes the light so far to travel from the Andromeda galaxy to reach our eyes because light travels at, guess what, light speed, that when we look up at the Andromeda galaxy, we are looking backwards in time 2.537 million years. 
We can look up into a time machine on any given weekday. That is incredible. That is astonishing. That is beautiful. Man, when the light bounces off a planet in the Andromeda galaxy, and by the time it reaches our eyes, it's already gone. That's, that's crazy. That's absurd. I even have a planet tattooed on my arm because I love space so much. Real talk. How about this one? There's 100 billion neurons, average, in every single human brain. Your teenager has about one. <laughs> All the parents said. Yeah. There we go. I work in youth. <laughs> that number looks like this. That's how many <laughs> neurons are in your brain right now. Those are individual cells that make up your brain. 100 billion neurons in your brain. So across this room right now, imagine how many neurons there are. Imagine if you just pulled those out of your brain and just let them float in the sky. Right? Like, imagine the, like, what this room would look like. Each neuron in our brain has up to 1,000 connections with its neighboring neurons, meaning that there are 100 trillion connections inside each one of our brains. That number looks like this. 100 trillion connections. That is more stars than our galaxy plus Andromeda's galaxy combined in one person's brain. Every single time a human being is born, there are 100 trillion connections made inside of their mind. And all of us live our life with our personalities, who we are, made up of these trillions of connections, connections firing in, in, in sync. And if one of these connections get messed up, we don't exist. Every single one of us exists with inside of these connections in our brain. From the vastness of space to the intimacy of you and I in our minds, there is beauty in the miracle around us right now. I believe there's beauty in the miracle around us. Call them miracles in the mundane, if you will. I believe we're surrounded with highly improbable, extraordinary events that bring very welcome consequences. I believe our life is lived surrounded by miracles. Now that we've maybe widened our horizon, now that we've stepped into maybe my thought process of what it means to exist as a miracle, my focus today, my topic today is a simple one. It's being a miracle. Being a miracle. To throw back to what I talked about earlier, I believe maybe, myself included in this, and this is a daily struggle, every day, maybe we're looking for a miracle when God has called us to be one. We're looking for a miracle in our life, looking for an escape, looking for a way out when God has called us not to look for a miracle, but as Christians to be a miracle. Yeah. Luke chapter 6, verses 37 and 38 in the NIV version says this. 
Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Verse 38, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, if you guys didn't know, I'm getting married in like 33 days. Pretty crazy, right? She's here in the front row, Madison. I mean, we're talking about extraordinary events that are miraculous, that have a good ending. Miracle, right? (laughs) This verse that I just read, I've been learning a lot about that verse. I'm getting married in a couple of weeks. Like, I have now been living with a fiancé for the past three months and living my life with a, a... a girl in it, which is just a whole experience in itself, right? <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> like what? Here, here's what I've learned. If I say something, let's say I use the wrong word in a sentence that I maybe didn't mean. If we're having a spirited discussion and I misstep, can I tell you that in good measure, shaken about, pressed down, overflowing, it will be returned to me in my life, poured into my lap very, very soon. I've learned this lesson. I've wisened up. My dad and I will hide. I'm just joking. (laughs) I'm just joking. (laughs) The principle exists, though. If I give out judgment, I will receive judgment back. If I give out condemnation, I will receive condemnation back. If I give out forgiveness, I will receive forgiveness back. This is known as the law of reciprocity. This exists in our world today. What we, this is not karma. <laughs> this is the law of reciprocity. What I give out, I'm more likely to get back. Generous people just happen to be generous back to them. Like, it's crazy how it works out. Maybe from a selfish perspective... Maybe as Christians, it's okay to be selfish in this regard when we look at miracles. Maybe when we look at miracles, we can understand that when I become a miracle for someone else, the law of reciprocity exists, and maybe through me being a miracle, God ultimately answers my prayers. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over in our life. Maybe it's time to start looking, not for the miracle to be answered in our life, but to shift our perspective and say, hey, how can I look for opportunities to be a miracle in someone else's life? And when that shift happens, I believe things things work a little bit differently in our human interactions. Because I do believe that God's main method of transportation is through people. That is God's primary mode and method of transportation. Because God's been in the delivery business a lot longer than Amazon has. 
but he does not have one day shipping. But he also never misses a shipment. Can I tell you today that I believe God will answer our prayers? But <laughs> this isn't the part that we don't like. <laughs> God's answer almost always isn't what we're looking for. Many of us like the, and it will be given to you, shaken down, pressed together, running over. But the word before it is give. Give and then. Can I promise you that, <laughs> I'll promise you this. It's probably not going to be what you're looking for. But I do believe it's going to be what you need. And I believe God has ordained that in your life. I have uh, done 12 years punishment and youth group at this point in my time. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I grew up in youth group. I started going when I was in seventh grade. Went up through the years, so four years in high school, three years in middle school. Been going for seven years now. And then after I graduated, I spent a year or two volunteering in the youth ministry. And now I have the incredible honor of serving our youth as the leader of it. It's been pretty crazy. So ultimately, like what, 12, 13 years, I've been in youth ministry nonstop, right? Pretty crazy. <laughs> pretty crazy. And I love it. I love what I get to do. Um, something that I noticed it, with youth in particular, um, and all the parents will know what I'm talking about, everything is a crisis. <laughs> right? Like, boyfriend, girlfriend left, world over. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like, I don't have enough money to get these pair of shoes. I will no longer wear clothes. <laughs> right? I don't care anymore. I just don't care Right, like everything is to the nth degree like the worst thing that could ever happen to a human being, right? And I get that. I remember uh, when, I was, when I was a teenager growing up in the youth ministry, I remember I, I came in the youth ministry, I was, like, I was like seventh grade, 12 years old. And as I went through the youth ministry, you know, I, I, I grew up in it. And when I was seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, I would ultimately go to my youth leaders with the crisis problems that I had, right? I'd be like, hey, you know, like uh, this girl, I, I think she's cute, and I messaged her on Instagram, and she saw it, but she didn't respond. Like, should I send a second one, or well, I already did that, like a fourth one? Like, sh should I keep, you know, like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to come next week uh, because I'm tired now, and, you know... <laughs> Who knows what it's going to look like next week. <laughs> Busy schedule. Yeah, yeah, I don't have a car. Could you take me? Yeah, please. <laughs> South Carolina, yeah, please take me. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, personally, I get a cash app probably once a week from students, like a cash app request from students once a week. Like, without fail. <laughs> My problems as a teenager are the same problems that, that the students now have, except they just can send it to me when I'm asleep. <laughs> Wake up, it's like, you need that much? <laughs> what are you doing at 2 a.m. that needs that? <laughs> you are not getting that money. 
<laughs> True story. True story. <laughs> As I grew up in youth group, my, my needs evolved, if you will. They, they matured, probably. What I needed as a 7th grader, I didn't need as a 10th grader. And what I asked of my leaders as a 10th grader, I didn't ask anymore as a 12th grader. As I got older, my perspective shifted. Here's kind of what it looked like. I stopped necessarily asking for help, and I, I stopped looking for ways out. I stopped looking for ways out. And as I got older, as a 12th grader, and even now as a youth leader, I morphed from being the one who needed the help into slowly turning to be the one who has the opportunity to help. I st slowly started becoming what I needed, but for others. I heard a quote this week, and I think it sums up this perfectly. It says this, when you were a kid... You were waiting on the cavalry to arrive. When you got older, you realized you were the cavalry. And as I grew up, as I got older, as many of us do, as many of you have become parents, as many of us get more responsibility, we stop necessarily look for how we can be helped, but ultimately how we can bear the responsibility of helping others. Now, look, I'm not a theologian. I'm not. I'm 22 years old, and I have the internet. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, we can all diagnose any disease in this room. All we need is one Google search bar and a cotton swab. Like, come on. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're not going to make it, buddy. <laughs> you have a headache? Don't worry about coming in today. <laughs> I believe the disciples experienced a shift. Like I said, I'm not a theologian. This is just my musings on this. But I do believe that the disciples experienced a shift in their ministry. Here's the crux of what I noticed. The further the disciples matured, the more the miracles were through them, not for them. Early on in the ministry, we see miracle after miracle happening for the disciples. We see Peter walking on water. We, I mean, we see incredible stuff happening for the disciples. We see fish being caught out for their own taxes. I mean, we see crazy stuff happening for the disciples. But I noticed that as they matured in their faith, as they matured in their relationship with Jesus, especially after he left, maybe, just maybe, the miracles stopped being for them. And the miracles started coming through them as they laid their hands on the sick, as they spoke words of hope and encouragement to congregations. And maybe, just maybe, in this room today, the further we mature in our faith, the more miracles come through you and the less they are for you. I bought my first home a few years ago. Pretty crazy process, right? 
like I bought it, um, the market was so crazy a couple years ago, like I bought it before I saw it, you know, like came up on Zillow or whatever, and I looked at the pictures, and I was like, put an offer on it, and I got the house. Um, and people who own a home will relate with this. I never anticipated how much mail I would receive. <laughs> like mountains and mountains of mail. I could have a bonfire every night. Like just from the mail that I get. And I get tricked out sometimes too. Like a couple weeks ago is my birthday and I got a card with an actual stamp with it said handwritten, happy birthday. I was like, oh my gosh, someone sent me, opens it up, Geico, you can say 15% or more. I'm like, what? How did you know that? What? Fine, I'll do it. <laughs> but I mean, there was, there's so much, I still get it, so much mail. If you Google something, you get mail about it, right? It's crazy. Um, and I don't know if this is true or not. I don't know how sure I am about this. But um, when I bought the house, it was, there was an elderly man that lived there. And look, I don't know where he is now. All I know is that my neighbors never saw him leave the house. So when I bought my home... I'm going to leave it at that. track it with me. I got a deal. <laughs> and because of that, I still to this day get so much mail that is not addressed to me. Like I have written like not live here anymore, sent it back. Like, I have done everything. I have changed my address over to this new house. Like, I've done everything that I can imagine to get stop getting these letters to this person. I mean, probably once a week I get a letter or some type of pamphlet or, or all two of them or all eight of them. Like, I get so much. I mean, and they love Sears. Like, I get so many Sears catalogs that does not have my name on it. And so I keep getting these envelopes at my house, and they don't have my name on it. They have someone else's name on it. And I do live there. It's my home, and so I've done everything I can in my power to get it out, you know. So I'll go to my mailbox sometimes, and I'll open it up, and I'll be looking for a letter that's mine, something that I've ordered, something that I've asked for, something that I've paid for, something that I've looked for, something that I've desired, whether it's a check coming in the mail, whether it's an Amazon package. Uh, there's, I, I go to my mailbox looking for something that I feel like I am owed. And oftentimes I will pull out an envelope that is in my hand with someone else's name on it. Maybe we keep opening up the mailbox looking for our miracle when God has handed us an envelope with someone else's name on it. I 
Maybe we keep opening it up saying, maybe this time, maybe this time, maybe this time. Maybe if I, I, I pray this way, maybe if I do it this way, maybe if I try this way, maybe if I live my life this way, maybe if I can figure out a way to, to find, get what I need, get what I want, get what I desire, save my family, save my, everything that we could ever need desire in this life, we keep on opening up this mailbox too. Ignoring the single envelope that sits inside unannounced. And if we pull that envelope out, we want to ignore it. It's not what we asked for. I didn't, I didn't ask for this. This doesn't have my name on it. Maybe it's because we were meant to give it to someone else. There is a richness to not praying for more, but praying for how. And that richness, when it saturates your life, there is a peace, there is a, a confident joy that no matter what you open up in life, can I tell you that there is a confidence that comes with knowing that no matter what you get, you can always give. And let's be real, even if what we circled doesn't come true in our life, we know that in our back pocket, we can take out an envelope and say, hey, this envelope is not addressed to me. It has someone else's name on it and give it to them. How can we be what someone else needs today? And that's where I close. Maybe it's time for a miracle, a miracle to come through you as we mature in our faith. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to explain the reason we're here. If you've never been here before and you're wondering what's all happening right now, welcome home, first of all. This is a community that cares about you and loves you. And the reason we do is because we believe that our life has been saved and changed by a miracle that happened 2,000 years ago, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because of that miracle that we've experienced in our life and in our hearts, we live our lives differently. Accepting that miracle into our life looks like letting go of our past and stepping into a future made new and made free in Jesus. If that is appealing to you or you would like to engage into that process and that lifelong journey of learning how to live your life for somebody else and calling yourself a Christian, if you'd like to do that right now, if you could just raise your hand for me. Thank you. And then now, maybe in this room, if you're like me and you've struggled with asking for more instead of asking how. If you'd like to receive strength in that, and that's all I'm going to pray for, it's just strength for you. And, you're, and you want guidance on what that looks like and for God to remind you day in and day out. If you could just raise your hand hands all across the room as well. Well, let's pray. If you could repeat after me. Say, God, I give you my life. I give you my all. And I give you my heart. I accept your sacrifice for my life. And I leave my past behind and step into the new. Free in you. 
God, I pray for peace and guidance as I ask not for more, but for how, where, when can I serve others with the gifts you've given me? And I declare today to live for you in my heart, in my mind, and in my actions. In Jesus' name. Thank you.